0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from the Dub podcast, Connection Loop. And today I have with me Marcus Chan. Uh, Marcus is a sales leader. He's a thought leader. Um, He's an innovator. There's so many amazingly interesting things that you're going to learn from Marcus in this podcast today. So I can't wait to get into it. Um, We're going to make this visual. We're going to make this audible. I'm going to ask some really, really tough questions when it comes to the topic of objection handling and specifically how to handle objections when it comes to video messaging, recording video, you know, there's this topic of like precognition, knowing what the objections are going to be. So, Marcus, if you could start with a short bio about yourself, and then we can get into the topic.
1: Yeah, 100, percent Ruben. So first off, thank you so much for having me on. So I'm Marcus Shannon, founder and head sales coach over at Venley Consulting Group, in which we work directly with B2B sales professionals help them earn an additional fifty to hundred thousand dollars more without just working harder and hoping them max out their commissions or comp plan. So uh, we've been actually doing this, for this business for about over two years now. We've been pretty fortunate to have been featured in Forbes, Salesforce, LinkedIn, etc. But before this, I actually was in corporate mix for over 14 years, working for two major Fortune 500 companies, in which I started as the absolute worst rep, eventually figured it out, got promoted 10 times in 10 years, worked for two companies, uh, had a lot of fun doing it, ended up leading teams of over 100 plus employees and you know, winning every single award. Presents Club, different awards, et cetera, just like that. But I'm excited to be here, excited to chat about objection handling today and more.
0: Very cool. So let's let's just get right into it. Um, when we think of objection handling, traditionally speaking, when I think of objections in sales, I think of you're on a phone call, you're face-to-face, and you say, hey, why don't you buy this car? And then the person says, well, I can't afford it, or I don't like the color, or some objection. And then at that point... You need to figure out, well, do you steer them in a different direction or do you figure out what the, the root cause is behind that objection and then try to solve it? Now, the challenge is now in a more virtual environment, more asynchronous environment, which, of course, is my favorite word. How do we precog objection handling?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think the one of the coolest parts about in today's time with the access to so many softwares and different tools, if you... If you are relatively savvy in your sales process or you've been doing sales calls for a while selling to a specific you know, audience, target market, and you know the most common objections, there are things you can do with even a video to help minimize the chances of those objections coming up and helping eliminate some of them. So for example, even if we set, if we, you know, if we uh, just the example you just mentioned about the car being too expensive, not having money for it. If you know that's a really common objection you're getting, what kind of content or videos could be created upfront for that prospect to view to help show them why it's not going to be an objection? So, for example, that could be potentially having videos that really showcase maybe funding options or ways to access cash or how it's going to help them achieve a greater desired result that far outweighs the money. So when you understand what the most common objections are, you can actually create videos upfront to help you pre-warm, at least pre-frame the prospects. So when you get to the sales call, and yes, if it does pop up in that call or the follow-up calls, they're at least mentally warmed up and that helps e- helps you ease into being able to handle the objection actually lead to a close.
0: Okay. So that makes sense. So do you, how much sort of strategy and planning can we put into our objection handling? Should we, should we rehearse objection handling? Should we do surveys? You know, how do we a compile that data from existing customers from prospects in a really honest, transparent way? And then how do we practice it? What, what are what's the step for that?
1: So I think the first thing is, is, is if you've done enough sales calls, um well first off if you do a good job in your sales call whether you close or not you should hopefully be walking away uh whether it's the first call second call third call or obviously his enterprise you know multiple calls you should have an idea why you did not win the opportunity and this is something you should you want to seek the truth on because the more truth you can seek to understand exactly what held them back from moving forward with you you, you realize pretty quickly you can actually eliminate a lot of objections up front if you do it properly. So it's understanding that and really, it's really not just practicing your rebuttals. Because mis- let me back up. So, the mistake a lot of people make is they think if a prospect says A, I'm going to say one. If they say B, I'm going to say two. If they say you know, C, I'm going to say three. And the when you think this way, your objection handling feels like a ping pong match, where it's back and forth, back and forth, or a boxing match where you're trading punches, and no one really feels good after it. But if you change your your objection handling process to really seek to understand, where you dig, diving deep to really understand what the root cause is, then once you actually uncover it, then you're able to actually solve the objection. But more importantly, when you truly understand it, even if you can't necessarily handle on the spot, then you are able to utilize that utilize that as part of your process upfront to get better down the road. So now, when you are getting a common objection of whether it's maybe it's uncertainty about your solution, you now have at least an understand how you can actually overcome that when it shows up. You know, once you realize that's a specific one. And I think the one of the most important things to understand is when you're handling objections, seek the truth first seek the truth first and really validate the objection they're first giving you is a legitimate objection. I find 99% of the time, the first objection is a smoke screen. And sometimes when people are in a buying situation, they're getting asked to basically make a decision. They have this fight or flight mode kick in and instinctually, even if they wanna buy, they might just say, ah, oh, let me just think about it. <laughs> and then at that point, you know, a, a weaker sales professional will say, all right, cool, when should I follow up? Versus, hey, totally cool, hey, no problem, I want you to take as much time as you wanna think about it, make sure they feel comfortable, just so I can make sure I do a real good job, make sure I provide you the right information. You know, what exactly is on your mind? What are you thinking about? I'll let them tell you, dive in deep, seek to understand. And then from there, you're able to uncover. And then once you uncover the common objects that you have, you should have, you should, have, you should understand frameworks to how, to how to handle and respond back. And those do require practice because if you are responding back in a way that does not put them at ease or give them conviction in you or your solution or your company, it's very hard for them to, to justify the purchase regardless.
0: Well, one of the, one of the expressions that I really don't like, and that I think was mostly used in the real estate industry is that buyers are liars. Well, there's two, there's lists to last and buyers are liars. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like yeah. either of those. I think that they're antiquated and I don't think that they allow us to empower ourselves and to find the accountability. It's really being better, um, you know, support people and better, better advocates and, um, better sort of uh, partners. Right. So, uh, you know that said, I agree with you to a certain extent that you know the first objection is often sometimes that we say in a fight flight sort of amygdala hijack kind of a response, I could never afford that. Oh, you want to charge ten thousand dollars for this advertising campaign? I could never afford that. Well, if one can't afford a ten thousand dollar advertising campaign, they believe that that ten thousand dollars that they're going to spend every month is not going to yield them uh twenty thousand dollars or thirty or more. There's a belief that they're that there that there's no inherent value in that offering, so I think that to your point, the more seasoned salespeople they really focus on what is the root cause of that, and the root cause of that is maybe a scarcity mindset, or maybe they've been burned in the past, or maybe they don't like the idea of a contract that's committing them for a year, or maybe even the fact that there's a no out clause on that ten thousand dollar campaign, which stinks. Um, you know, maybe there are clauses, maybe there are realities within the relationship and the, and the contract and the arrangement that allow them to test you know well it's ten thousand dollars but you start with a hundred dollars oh well, I can I can deal with a hundred dollars um, so my question for you is you know how do we compile more information because yes you're right we should do the research we should be prepared we should have this stuff in our minds but as content creators um, how can we fuel our website is it FAQs is it knowledge base is it YouTube videos like give us some ideas and how we can get ahead of that.
1: 100%. So I'll give you a good, good example that kind of ties into even the example of the advertising campaign that's $10,000. So the limiting belief there might potentially could be not understanding what the real opportunity cost is. So, you know, if you want to sell against that objection in advance and you know you can you can sell to small businesses and to them $10,000 may seem like a lot of money, but you also know it's gonna yield them, say, $100,000, $200,000 of additional revenue per month or per year. Well, obviously, it's a great ROI. So that means now you can utilize that content to show that advertising spend is actually not an expense, but an investment. So now we can create content that could be either, either in your frequently asked questions to even core, you know, breaking down the limits belief uh, understanding what a true cost of inaction is. And that could be through sharing stories, you know, mapping out stories on say LinkedIn or filming a video yourself, discussing a similar situation that's, that's slightly different, not in buying that specific thing, but in your situation where maybe you had invested money and then you got an ROI out of it. And when you're able to share stories in a certain way, this helps position your prospect to understand, wow, that makes sense because I also had that limiting belief, but if I thought about it this way, it's way more valuable and that can be YouTube content for sure you know it could be anything so for example i'll give you an example. so just this week i just wired fifty thousand dollars to join a brand new mastermind for myself for coaching now 15 years ago if i was tell if, if i was tell my my past version of myself that'd be wiring you know well in the six figures of this year now in coaching programs within a year i would be like that's that's insane I would never do that 15 years ago but now I also realize the power of investing that investing $50,000 or $100,000 makes me, you know, seven figures plus. Now I understand the ROI. Back then I didn't. So when I can share a story like this, this helps people understand that investing into coaching is not just about. Spending money, but it's actually an investment. If you take the action, you'll get an ROI. And I can turn it into YouTube content that could be a, I could be a post, that could be an email, that could be really any of these pieces of content I want to pre-warm a prospect up to help them understand that investing themselves is really the best ROI across the board.
0: Now, very cool. Now, if you could just break down. Um, a, a, a failure story to us. You know, we, we all learn from failures and it's best to learn from other people's failures. So give us your your sort of worst uh, failure story when it comes to this, maybe where you just dropped the ball and what you learned from that.
1: Sure, just in like a sales situation, is that right? In a sales situation, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I have, first of all, plenty. <laughs> I mean, I have plenty of examples of me failing. In fact, uh, oftentimes in sales, uh, hopefully, as we make mistakes, we're learning from our mistakes. Um, and you know, I would say this the story I'm gonna share with you is really a good example how I was being more of a rep with commission breath than actually being a professional. And, you know, I had this really large opportunity. This is years ago, uh, years ago, now I had this really large opportunity, which initial initial first meetings I had, you know. It gone really well. Decision-making really trusted me. We involved five other people. It's a pretty large opportunity. I'm really excited. And, you know, we had set some good deadlines, you know, in terms of next steps, mutual action plans. So I'm pretty excited. I'm like, I'm like this this is done. Now, of course, what happens? That deadline comes up. We pass it. Can't get a hold of my prospect. So I remember, like, I let a, I let a day go by. Uh, you know, I call them, you know, and then wait don't hear back you know don't hear anything try again the next day and then email and as each day passes i mean i think i started calling this guy a couple times a day and i was very worried because the quarter is coming to an end the quarter is coming to an end i'm like oh man like like this this deal is not gonna just make my quarter but it's going to really just take me to the next level so like it gets the end of my end of the quarter it's end of the quarter and like it's gone, it's been like a month now. And I think I probably called this guy like every single day or in like in the email, technically there's every single day. I pretty much reached out some way, shape, before. Cause you know, I'm like, I gotta be persistent. I gotta get this deal done. And, uh, I fi- probably a little over a month. I finally hear back from the guy and the guy says, uh, he just texts me. He's like, he emails me. He emails me. He's like, uh, sorry, box, we want somebody else. And I'm like, what the hell man like I'm, like I'm like this whole time like i thought it was gonna be me whatever and then um you know i'm trying to get feedback from this guy and and finally you know like after like two weeks he emails me back and says hey marcus um we want someone else because uh frankly i found you too pushy in your whole pro your back end process like we told you the deadline and then you basically call and text me like every single day basically for like a month and he's like the truth was is like he actually had like a personal issue he was like in the hospital or something He's like, so here I am getting nonstop like messages from you, and you you know it's like clearly you sound you seem desperate, so we just want somebody else. And I'm like, wow, and that was such a good reminder there of being able to just understand and exercise that self awareness, uh, because I had so I gotten so caught up in just my own number, trying to hit my number, trying to make my quarter, trying to do all these things that. I didn't really stop to think about how annoying, it I mean, even now I'm embarrassed to share the story because I'm like, why would I, why did I even do that? <laughs> you know, that guy could smell my desperation for sure. So uh, moral story is, you know, don't be afraid to actually have that self-aware or, or have someone look at you from the outside in and say, hey, listen, pump the brakes and just be a good human being as part of your process. And would you actually enjoy someone selling to you that way? Because I know I wouldn't. So it was a good lesson for me to learn. But. I, it was a pretty costly mistake for me. I never got that deal ever again.
0: Well, you know, there's, there's a movie scene that comes to mind. Um, I, I think I that think humor is, is one of the best ways to heal because we have all endured that story, every single one of us. We've all felt pressure. We've all felt limiting beliefs, scarcity. And we've been told by so many people and in so much media that we got to keep grinding and the, and the gold is in the follow-up. And so many people say that. And that I think is to a certain extent, it's somewhat antiquated advice because it's not in the follow-up, it's in the value. You follow up just to get the value out there. But what's what's really funny to me is that when I hear about this story and I remember the times that I've done this, (laughs) there's this one movie scene that comes to mind. I don't know if you can guess what I'm about to say, but it's actually the movie Swingers. (laughs) And this is called the answering answering, uh, machine scene. All right so i think everyone should just check out this scene it's called answer sorry answering (laughs) machine meltdown this is with john favreau a very young john favreau in this film um and it's absolutely hilarious and the reason why it's hilarious is because as you can imagine he's calling a girl it's not a prospect and he just keeps going on this on this voicemail so he just doesn't stop leaving these voicemail messages and it's just absolutely comedic and of course she answers at some point, she says, never call me again. You know, <laughs> right. That's right? exactly what was like. <laughs> right? And I, and I think the point of the story is that desperation oh, smells. Totally. You know? So totally. If, we're, if we're desperate because of the pressure, because of our bills that we gotta pay, because, you know, someone told us that we should do this, it's not coming from a pure place, you know? Um, Oprah Winfrey says that whatever you start something with determines its outcome. So if you start with desperation, you're gonna end with desperation. And, you know, a failed sales prospect is kind of desperate because you lose self-esteem, you lose confidence, you know, it looks bad with your team. So, all right. So now what did you learn from this story? And then how can we, how can we all improve from it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's ultimately, you know, we buy how we sell. So how you want to be sold to is a good way how you should sell to your prospects as well. And, and ultimately, you know, when I look back, if I could have been just more present, and really focused on just serving the customer or the potential pro- or the prospect, then I wouldn't have done that. I would have paused and said, "Well, hold on. You know, we've had good rapport, and uh, like definitely should follow up. But what would actually make sense? Like, what would be an appropriate level of follow up that doesn't come off as desperate? That maybe could be more indifferent, but also ultimately will actually serve the customer. Because in addition to what you mentioned as well, you know, I heard the Fortune is a follow up, uh, but there I had no value there, I had zero value to bring this guy, so here I am. I'm just badger like, like it's it's like it's like the uh, the child in the back of the car seat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's how I was. There was no value there, I wasn't followed with anything of value to that prospect to open that conversation back up. I was just being. Uh, a, a toddler at the guy's door <laughs> trying to bang it down. So, uh, understand that, build that self awareness, and ultimately you'll be able to, uh, you know, close more of these opportunities. But also, more importantly, if you don't close it, at least you have a good rapport with them. Maybe you'll close them down the road. Okay, very cool. Now, one of the things that I find really interesting on this topic
0: is this idea of how can we be more Valuable. How can we provide? How can we be more of a partner? How can we be more of a coach? Um, the thing that baffles me is that it makes total total sense what you said. We 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 um, buy how we or sorry, you said we buy how we sell, right? Mm-hmm most of us forget that when we're in sales situations we kind of forget the type of buyer that we are for example the type of buyer that i am it's very research oriented i go to google i do my comparisons i see what a b and c is i see what the social proof is i kind of try it out for myself um i don't like to be sold to per se because i like to make the decisions myself and make that discovery but at the same time i like to have a guide that will take me to the finish line when i'm ready and I feel like a lot of people forget that. They make a sort of a disconnect there. So what is, is it, is it meditation? Is it a Post-it note on our laptop? How can we remind ourselves that the people on the other line, on the other side of the email or the LinkedIn message or the phone or the SMS, they're human beings. And they're probably just similar to us in the way that they buy. How can we remind ourselves to be empathetic, to be considerate, to be the way that we want to be?
1: So I think the first thing to do is, you have to be really self-aware. Um, and sometimes it can be really hard to to, realize, to really realize what you're really like. And the first thing I would do, and it can be pleasantly horrifying, is listen to your own call recordings. If you're not recording your own call, especially in today's time, you should be recording all your calls and listening to all of them. In fact, I still listen to my own calls I run. I listen to my team's calls that we run. Like just today, we did a call review today. so. This builds incredible self-awareness because when you start to play back, you start noticing small little things that you could have made tweaks on. And a lot of times to take your game to the next level it's not major changes. It's little tiny tweaks. So when you realize, hey, when I ask this type of question, it's actually not it, it's or if, if I ask a sequence of questions without pausing, diving deep, I'm actually not being present now. You may watch their own call recordings and you may not still be aware. So this is actually why it's really good to have a third party that's unbiased, listen to it and coach you on the spot on those calls as well. So then from there, once you are aware of that, then it allows you to practice even more. And a lot of times I find most salespeople don't have a good process in place for how they run a discovery call, how they run a sales call. So what happens is they're very reactive on the call, so they're not able to really be present. They're kind of just kind of going, they're all over the place kind of bouncing back and forth, and then they go down rabbit holes as they start thinking, they're like, oh, I'm gonna ask this next, I'm gonna ask this, and it, it seems very disorganized. There's not a controlled flow of thoughts. And that happens when you don't have a good solid process in place. So that means once you have a solid process in place, and once you are aware of what you're doing, you have how to improve it, then you gotta practice. You gotta actually, practice what you, you got to practice what you learn and you got to role play. So you have mastery in the fundamentals. So the way I think about it's much like sports. When you watch a pro athlete, they spend 99% of their time off the field in practice, working on the fundamentals of the game. So once they're on the field, when someone throws them the ball, they know exactly which play they're going to play. And it's no different for sales when you practice your discovery and your sales process so much that you do it inside and out, so you actually are fully present once you're aware of the areas you want to improve. When someone answers a certain way or does something specific, you now know how to tweak and adjust on the spot without thinking it's more instinctual. But it's not just – instincts don't just happen overnight. They require you to be intentional to actually develop instincts so you can actually become better at your game.
0: Very cool. Very cool. You know, I I recently um, purchased a cameo. Uh, For those that don't know what cameo is, it's a sort of a celebrity um, sort of video buying uh, app where you can engage with celebs and um, get little short clips, video clips from them. You can get it for yourself, you can get it uh, uh, for your friends. Um, Actually, one of the most expensive people on cameos as actually um, Jordan Belford. So since so we're talking <laughs> about sales, I'll mention him. Yeah. And I think he puts his price tag is, is $999. And my theory on why it's, uh, he can uh, charge so much is because his target audience is probably people that are in sales that make you know, good money and that it's sort of a motivational thing. So he buys, you, know, you buy a clip from Jordan and then you get to share it with your team. A thousand bucks actually seems kind of a bargain um, if that works for you. But the person that I chose is uh, Nick Bolletary. And Nick Bolletary is a famed tennis coach who actually most notably was the coach for Andre Agassi who at one point was number one and he won a bunch of grand slams and and a bunch of great titles. And the advice that he gave me on, on my tennis game, of course, but it's so relevant for life, is practice your weaknesses. We've all heard that. But he said specifically, practice your weaknesses because they make your strengths stronger. And I found that really interesting because when we get confident at the things that we're not necessarily good at, we kind of flow into the things that we are good at. So I think that's a little bit of a rhyme or it, and it sort of is right in line with what you were saying, which is practice, just like the sports reference that you made practice, you know, get a coach, do the listening, really appreciate that advice. The other advice that he gave me was, you know, always go for a shot. Anytime you have an opportunity, you know, take it, don't seize Don't sort of let those opportunities go. And I think the sales apply, the same applies in sales. If someone is interested, step up, go for it, you know, be tactful, be kind, be considerate, be professional. But if there's an opportunity, you might as well go for it.
1: 100% agree. I mean, a lot of times I see salespeople, they don't even ask for the business, right? Like they forget, (laughs) they get like scared. They've, they've earned the right. They've done a great job discovery. And this could be over multiple calls. they they handle all potential objections up front. They've shown tons of value. The customers are green. They're at that point where it's like, it's time to ask for the business and the customer's like not they're not quite like they have not saying like oh, let's go right now. And the person the sales person's like, So <laughs> versus, hey, awesome, it sounds like you're 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 totally aligned. Should we just go ahead and get this wrapped up for you right now? Yes we should. Let's make it happen. That's it. Nice. So it doesn't have to be a crazy hard close, but what happens is when you run a good sales process, it's a very logical outcome to a situation.
0: Right. Love that. Um, all right. So you have um, you have a you have an offer. In fact, you've got a website um, with uh, with a with a training program, um, sixfiguresalesacademy.com. Um, I am going to put the URL in the show notes here. Um, I encourage people to check this out. Give it a click, see what it's up to. Uh, I think it looks pretty cool, Marcus. If you could take us through that.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, depend which which link you put in there. So, if it's the uh, the free training I put it in there. My three steps to earning additional fifty to one hundred thousand dollars more commissions without just working harder. That's a pretty awesome free train. It's about an hour and a half long. It's very robust, but it's a pretty awesome training right there. Um, my yeah, that's exactly it. Boom. That's a pretty awesome free training. It's one of my favorite ones, our most popular one actually. So that one's really awesome right there. So definitely check it out. I mean, I really break down th- like three core steps that I utilize across my sales process really helped me just real go from absolutely struggling to actually having success, figuring it out. But more importantly, being able to repeat the success over and over and over to get to the actual next level. So that's a pretty cool train right there.
0: Very cool. Nice.
1: And then um, where can folks connect with you on social channels, Instagram, LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm, I'm on pretty much most social channels. So LinkedIn, you can look, look, look me up. It's pretty easy to find. Marcus Chan, only guy that has uh, Speedos in the body of the email or the messaging there. That sold Speedos at one point. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook. There, oh, there's Instagram as well. You got that, boom. Uh, I have a free Facebook group as well. So this is inside here. So I have about um, how, 20, 30 hours of free sales training as well. So I got tons ton of free resources. completely free to join this group as well. Uh, it's probably it's really popular we have over close to 3000 members. And then, of course, uh, there's my LinkedIn page on there as well. So it's uh, all my best content is probably on LinkedIn. But the free all the training stuff, actually, like 20, 30, 40 minute hour trainings are free. are in my Facebook group as well. Nice.
0: Very cool. Well, I recommend that uh, that folks go and, and give you a click on your social channels, on your website, on your Facebook group, because there's obviously a lot of value here. And Marcus, I just wanted to personally thank you for your time on this podcast, man. This was really educational, some great reminders, some great kind of pro tips. And uh, look forward to connecting with you and uh, consuming more of your content. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man.